Hello you, tuning in to Psychomedy. It's Rafaela here from ThreadUp. ThreadUp brings exciting new changes to its services in direct response to what we learned while supporting comedians and creatives through the crisis with their mental health and including those who lost their income. Check it out at threadup.co.uk and get in touch to arrange your therapy that supports creativity. Welcome to Psychomedy. I'm Nathan Cassidy, stand-up comedian and Bachelor of Science in Psychology, a subject I've been studying for 25 years and a quarter of a century exploring the fascinating way our minds work on and off stage alongside being a stand-up for the last 500 years has led me here today discussing the psychology of comedy with today's very special guests, the brilliant Catherine Henson and Richard Todd. Catherine and Richard, hello. Hi. Hello. Hello. We're doing it. (laughs) We're doing it. We're doing it. (laughs) <laughs> Richard, you look like a, a rabbit in the headlights there already. Oh, sorry, I, like... was, um, I was just um, checking my mic volume. <laughs> <laughs> You've got a good check the mic volume face there. It looks uh, like you've seen a ghost. But um... <laughs> I did a Zoom gig and the uh, thing I found most harrowing, I did one, and the thing I found most harrowing was I couldn't remove my own face from the screen. <laughs> 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 and just seeing my face. I thought, God, I can understand. Yeah, understanding of the fear of the audience share. <laughs> yeah, you look like you're seeing your face for the first time. It's. <laughs> I mean, you see it sometimes in a venue's mirror, but right. there's usually, hopefully, a sea of people between you and that mirror. When your face is just the thing, <laughs> and so and to sit like to be to see like that close the desperation in your eyes <laughs> and, and, the, and the hope dying every now and then just like god like watching your soul being liquidated <laughs> well this is good practice because don't do that face when you get back on stage richard because that looks that looks like you were terrified the, the um, but you'd seen your own face so you've explained why you why you look terrified yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right anyway Great to have you both on Psychomedy. So for the second month in succession, just before live comedy resumes, and Richard does that face on stage (laughs) indoors, um, we're talking to two comedians. Last month, Alice Fraser and Scott Capuro joined me to discuss the enormous productivity they'd had during lockdown. And now, as perhaps a counterbalance to that, two comedians who have done, it's fair to say, a little bit less comedy-wise in the last 15 months, for different reasons. So, um... Catherine, maybe I can come to you first. Uh, you were going to perform, I believe, shows at the Melbourne Comedy Festival and Sydney Comedy Festival at the start of last year. What the hell happened? Uh, not those shows, that's for sure. <laughs> that, that, they did not happen. Um, I, I had never been to Australia also prior to flying over there. And I, I got there at the beginning of March just before COVID really hit. And... The shows, like the festival got canceled, my flight home got canceled, and I ended up stuck in Australia for six months. Um, Yeah, which was, uh, you know, wild because we were in Melbourne where it, it was the only part of Australia that was locked down at the time. So all around us, like Sydney and Adelaide, you know, they were open. So they're performing there. So it, it was like, it's like, I don't know, Inception or something. Like, I'm in the one part of the world where I could have performed, but in the one part of that part of the world where I'm not allowed to. So it, it was insane. And um, you couldn't get there, I guess. You couldn't, you couldn't move cities. No, they, they closed their state borders. Yeah. And so yeah. it was like a, it was a mad dash to, to even leave. Like you, you, you could see like the news and just traffic backed up. And then they just had border patrol. Like people, I think, were trying, you know, to flee <laughs> <laughs> so they could go like live, but uh, unsuccessfully. So we were just in, in, their, in their pretty uh, harsh lockdown at the time. 
Oh, dear. Oh, my God. Well, well, there's more just because then when we could leave, like, I'm not from here. I don't know if you can tell. I sound like Al Capone's hooker. I'm from New York, <laughs> and that's where I've lived the last 15 years. But I got married to an Irish person in Australia just so we wouldn't end up being separated. And we, <laughs> I know. How romantic. Really? I know. Yeah. My mom was like, wait, what's his name? And I was like, no, 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 don't worry. It's, it's for real. Um, my dad, uh, my dad phoned me at once and said, I've got married again for tax purposes. <laughs> That's a good reason to do it though. Gotta say it's a really solid reason, but we, we when we could leave Australia, we flew back to London and we were, and it was open here. We were amazed. Like we were just like, Oh, we can go into a restaurant. We can do everything. And then London closed. So now <laughs> we've been locked down for basically a year, over a year in, in a harsh oh lockdown. So I uh, comedy You've been is locked down chasing Catherine. Haven't you? You've yeah, been... exactly. I, I'm ready for the next one. I'm thinking Brazil next. I, at least well, the go to India, nice. go to India. Hey, yeah. comedy's opening up there very soon. Get to India. <laughs> Amazing. Oh God. Yeah. So and just 18 months of winter in a row on top of that, which really <laughs> will just it, it really changes you as a person. I, I am now made of ice. Um, that is what it is. So it's having yeah. to watch all the comedy now, I guess, going on in Australia, the one place it's been going on for the last. <laughs> yeah, I'm laughing, which is more than you've had for no, a year. I know. So that, that's the most laughter I've seen, actually. And also oh, well. like watching New York open as well because yeah. that's where I lived. So it's like I was sitting here watching the two places I had been. People were able to do the only thing I want to do, and I couldn't. And, you know, I ended up in a really dark place for a while, I will say that. But we're on an oh, upswing. Goodness. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Well, maybe I'll explore that dark place in a minute with Richard. Yeah. Richard, hold my hand <laughs> as we go into... <laughs> um, Richard, over to you. How, how about you? Where the hell have you been for... I, um, I was for excited. What's your excuse? Um, uh, you've done gigs with me. You know my go-to thing is um, as soon as I arrive at a gig, do you have enough night? Do you have enough acts? Too many acts? Can you <laughs> drop out? Um, <laughs> hey, guys. Um, <laughs> I am happy. <laughs> um, no, we booked you to go on. But I, so I was quite excited. I was like, I am going to start my life again. Um, so I God. kind of, I began by leaving leaving my agent because I was determined to do, I thought, I'm going to do the things I've always wanted to do that I never had, that comedy stopped me doing. <laughs> um, <laughs> but Miss Gu you, you can tell this might be doomed. Um, but um, so I left my agent. Uh, congratulations congratulations that sounds yeah good. i didn't think she was, they were a bad agency but uh i think my agent just kind of stared at me like a dog staring <laughs> at, 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 at a ball you know just wondering why i wasn't moving anywhere anymore he <laughs> used to be traveling um so uh, i thought right i'm gonna because i like drawing and that but then um seems like I mean, you, you all, it's easy to say, quit everything and say, I have got so much more to offer the world. Um, and then I find, I'm quickly finding that I don't actually have that much to offer the world. <laughs> so now gigs are reopening and I'm like, right, um, can I have a, a few gigs? The thing is, like everyone, like I do like drawing and writing and things, but like, I mean, the thing with comedy is that you, like most comedians, one of the joys of comedy is that you write something in, in London, at least, you just go out and you get a response to it, a reaction to it. And um, no matter how good my drawings are, um, I can put them on Instagram and if I, I, you know, I will spend a week on a drawing and then it will get outshone by someone's cake or something. And you just kind of think... I've, I've responded at least three times. I think it's only me that responds to your drawings. I mean, they are absolutely incredible. But um, um, I don't know whether that fulfills you um, mentally, does, just uh, me. Just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if it was just you, at least I'd know. Uh, my friend once said, because, um, you know, um, Tez Ilias calls his like, fan base Tezbians. <laughs> and and, and oh. my friend Gary Trostart to call his 
fans true believers. Uh, my friend wow. said to me, "What would you call your?" Did fans? that lose? Did that lose fans? By the way, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> but my friend said to me, "What would you call your fans?" And I said, "Probably by the first names." Yeah. <laughs> Hello, Gary. Hello. <laughs> Hi, Margaret. Good to see you again. Mom but, and yeah. Dad. Um, yeah. You need to give a blanket name for two people, is there? Yeah. <laughs> the Wilson. Now you, see, now you see, all I'm thinking is um, what my fans' thoughts should be called. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, cast cast holes, I assume. But but um... well, anyway, like I ended up just going. I was working for most of it because I said, like, I yeah. kind of work at a charity, so I was kind of a bit sad when I had to go like i truly really wanted to do nothing like just basically have mm. like not like just an empty expanse in front of me i was thrilled by it but then like because i work at a charity with vulnerable adults and homeless people like mm. i felt i was probably should up should open it again um yeah. I, felt, I felt it wasn't comp it was kind of more guilt than compassion driving me but um <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so a little round of applause for that. Not, yeah, not yeah, the round of applause yeah, the NHS got. Just a, yeah. mm, I think it. I pondered a whether I should clap. take a bow whether, <laughs> yeah. on the Thursday night. So I join in. Thanks, guys. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, two contrasting reasons then for um <laughs> for, for for doing for doing very little over the yeah. um. Uh, I mean, Richard, you need to, I mean, presumably now you're getting back in touch with your agents. Um, oh. <laughs> it was all a big mistake. I'm, no, uh, I'm coming it, back yeah. to it. I am. I, um, I mean, like, the thing is, like, I mean, I'm sure everyone not like, even with the best agent, if you're not one of their main a priority yeah. for them, you might as well be. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, it doesn't matter, um, really. Like, yeah. I mean, other than have it be... Um, I mean, all I got was occasionally people say, oh, but it's nice to have it at the end of your email. And yeah, um, yeah. I, don't, I don't really know if anyone cares. <laughs> I mean, if no one's contacting you, you might as well just put um, represented by Mrs. Todd. Um, you know. <laughs> Do you get more uptake on your art if you mention what your agent is? Maybe in the art you could um, draw uh, a picture of your agent. That would get me. Uh, um, I kind of only know. I, I mean, I'm a bad, I'm not, like I know no I wouldn't say I'm a dream for an agent because they say what's your plan and I'm just like I don't know and then they'll say do you want to be on TV and I said not really do you want to <laughs> you, you, you sound like you sound like me just be yeah um yeah don't want to make you feel worse one... but I've got a few agents recently but I said exactly the same to both of them like I don't know why you want me I don't want to do what you want yeah. me to do so anyway so as I say yeah different reasons for um doing little um how, so how, how have how have you been, Catherine? Over you say you say a dark place um, at some points for the last year. Not um, is that specifically around not performing uh, that got you into that place? I mean, it was definitely that was part of it. Um, I think being stuck in a foreign country I'd never been to, ten thousand miles away from everything I'd ever known, probably mm. started a little shifted me to a dark place, not being able to work, not being able to collect unemployment in my country because I wasn't in my country. Um, I had an apartment in New York that I've lived in with all of my stuff. I've lived in New York 15 years and I am a hoarder. And I had to eventually um, come to terms with the fact I had to sell everything from here. Um, I had to sell everything and trash the rest and beg my Hasidic landlord to let me out of my lease a year early. And in addition to that, I was just such a busy person prior to the pandemic. I, I love to perform. In New York, we're performing like anywhere between one to five nights a week, plus doing podcasts. Plus, I had two day jobs working at a dungeon and, you know, doing another thing, you know, remotely. And that it went from like so much to nothing overnight. And now I'm like broke and feeling like um, I felt like I was sort of reaching out for a, a long time, like wanting somebody to put me out of my misery. Right. Like somebody help me, help me, help me. And I got to this place like um, actually just around Easter where I was I was like, I'm going to kill myself. I'm doing it. <laughs> and I know that's like really heavy. Right. Because like Richard's like I was drawing and I was like, I had a belt around my neck. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and. But I, I kind of then sort of re 
reemerged realizing like I it's I it's I, I've got to change from the inside out at this point sort of like and I found sort of some different things that I had never tried like involving sort of you know self-care that I would have never even explored had all of this not happened um and so now I have this sort of new routine that I found has sort of changed my perspective completely and like cleared my mind and made me able to communicate better and sort of even follow the goals that I had that I felt too helpless to do because I was so steeping in my own pain of loss and suffering and stress from everything that went on and then feeling envy and jealousy of like even my friends in New York for getting to perform. Um, so now these, these things I'm doing are like, I'm doing uh, mantra meditation as well as Wim Hof breathing. And it's a part of my day now. And I found that I'm now like achieving my goals in a new way. So I'm interested to see if now that I'm like happier than I've ever been, if I'll even be funny. <laughs> <laughs> So, wow, my goodness. So yeah. So that happened Easter this year, you mean? You got to yeah. that darkest place in Easter, so just a month or yeah, so ago. Just, and... just a month ago. I mean, it was yeah. like, I thought Australia was bad, but then we, when we got to London, just like a series of, we had some people like we were renting from kind of take financial advantage of us during the pandemic. Like we found out the flat was 1,100 pounds for a three bedroom flat without a living room and they were charging us 750, but they were like friends of mine. So it was sort of like, you know, just like all these sort of harrowing things kind of hammering away one after the other after the other. And then I'm like selling my stuff in New York and trying to sort out my visa and not being able to perform. But incidentally, I did sign with an agent during this time. And so what Richard was saying, which I find kind of interesting about over here, is I've noticed perception is a lot more a key here than it is like in America. Like, I, I don't even know who of my friends have managers there, but here everybody loves to put it in their email or their Instagram bio or whatever, like, like as if that is the sell. But then mm. I know like plenty of people who are incredibly talented who don't have representation. So it's like, it's kind of yeah. a weird thing I noticed over here, but yeah. um, yeah, I'm sort of, I'm, I'm rambling now, but. Oh my goodness. Uh, I mean, <laughs> you, 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 you mentioned, you know, a few things that have started to pull you out of that dark place you were in. Is that something you just came to yourself or is that some recommendation that you got from it, any therapy was, or anything like that? Well, you know, it's, I, so I've been a, a fan of therapy most of my life. Um, I got when I was 15, I, I ran away from home uh, just because, you know, I was sort of having those like teenage issues you have at home. And then when I was found, I got sent to a wilderness treatment center followed by a therapeutic boarding school that was run by Mormons, but they didn't advertise as Mormon. And this school was abusive, basically, like psychologically. And it's interesting that you should ask about therapy because like I've been in therapy and, you know, and always been like, yeah, therapy is like a good thing, even with that experience in mind. And so the stuff I started to do was sort of recommended by a couple friends of mine, both prior to the pandemic, but then sort of when I was reaching like the end of my rope around Easter. And I just, it was basically like, I'm going to kill myself or I can try this stuff. And now as I'm doing this stuff, I'm actually sort of unlocking um, some of the trauma and pain from when I was sent to that abusive school that I think I thought I'd never see again, that I just locked deep inside when I was there and then just never really addressed even in therapy when I came out. But I, it's starting to come out of my body and also releasing like actual chronic pain I've had in my foot and my hip and my neck for the last 15 years. It's, it's a pretty wild stuff. Wow. God, yeah. That sounds, um, yeah. I mean, so happy for you that it's um, <laughs> wor what's working, you know, it's, uh, yeah. it's, um, it's the nature of these things when, when we get two comedians on and it's kind of, we're talking about, you know, you're saying something like that. And obviously I could spend an hour with you talking yeah. about that and maybe no, we I, will in a future psychomedy episode. And it's, um, I know my, I'm kind of looking at you. I'm like, are you my new therapist? I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's you. <laughs> My goodness. Um, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, so contrasting because obviously, Richard, you sound like you've you're happy and not doing well, I, not doing I, comedy, and um, Catherine, the opposite, maybe. And well, I don't know. I mean, like, I I wouldn't say I I've uh, I didn't travel into any vastly dark places. I, I pop by, pop by, and look through the windows. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
But do you do that? Do you do that anyway? I kind of, I, you know, I've known you for some time. I get the impression that you pop by occasionally. Yeah, I kind of, um, I tend to go in wee, wee little cycles of, um, of kind of misery. That, um, but usually it's, I can usually figure out how to get out of it. All I need to do to get out of it is, like, I have to, like, like if I just draw for an afternoon like just stare into a drawing scribbling for an afternoon i usually end up quite cheerful at the end yeah um, i kind of I, I, but i don't just have stand up i guess so if i if i if i'd only had stand up like if that was the thing like i don't know if i've ever fully been beholden to stand up if i was yeah. i think i think it would be quite a traumatic traumatic time to mm. be stripped have everything have everything that you've built your entire like life and with the way you want to communicate because some people just truly want to communicate in that way i kind of like it but maybe it's, i kind of enjoy doing it but like i remember once when we go on stage the act before me was just hopping up and down with a big grin on his face and i was like what what are you so happy? What, what, what are you so happy about he's like i just can't i just can't wait to go on that stage and i was like what really my God, I don't know if I want to be on the stage till I get on the stage. And sometimes I arrive on the stage and think, nah, not really. I've <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> made a terrible mistake tonight. <laughs> yeah. But it's, um, I, so I kind of, I do kind of, I mean, I take like antidepressants. So like, it's not like I'm, it's not like I'm pure in my, um, pure in my kind of equilibrium, you know. Um, but I do tend to, um, like I taught, I amazingly managed to tear my, um, I taught, this is the thing that's caused me the most, maybe is the most heartbreak recently, is I tore my, the my, the ligaments in my knee, because uh, I quite like playing football, like I play football a couple of times a week, and mm. I kind of love that, because I'm quite calm, but I'm quite I get quite angry in football to the point where I just scream at people. Like, <laughs> um, and now I just have no one to scream at. It's just all <laughs> around. And I kind of think, God, that, surely all that, that's two hours of constant screaming a week that you're losing. You know, someone's going to end up receiving that, you know, it's an accumulating factor. So I'm kind of, um, yeah, but I am actually, I don't know. Sometimes I think my innate lack of any true ambition Helps keep me calm. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, Driving and suffering. I do. There's things I want, like, but I'm kind of also sometimes just. Like the other day, if 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 I got home and I was sad and you give me a bag of um, nuts and raisins. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> my mood would change substantially and I'm just uh, a big grin would sm- spread across my face and I'd be like it's not too bad is it yeah, so yeah. you're definitely right I mean those with the, those with the least ambition I think are potentially the, the healthiest of uh, the lot yeah. of mentally I do find that one thing that would have threatened my like occasionally threatened to make me more like find it harder is like I'm, I don't really go on to social I mean I made a ha- have a, an effort to stay off social media like just purely when your artwork stopped getting likes yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know just to see the people who because like there was comedy going on but like there's almost a handful but just to see that small handful every now and then like little things like that you start to think am i like question yourself and your own ethic work ethic yeah like and i don't think anyone's not got the work ethic it's just like when the opportunities get reduced to that uh, such a small amount then the people is true but the people with agents who are genuinely pushing them are probably going to be the ones that benefit the most i think like in terms of getting those small gigs and because the gigs are small like they need names to attract people to them because they're a new. Yeah. Uh, so mm. I kind of think new. I think actor is trying to strive to forge a name or or, or thrive, don't have a social media presence or uh, or an agent. Kind of fell by the wayside slightly and had to yeah, find I... their own sense of self or equilibrium or something like that. Yeah, I mean, there were those type of gigs to to pick up, but yeah, it took a. 
took a certain mindset as well as a you know yeah potentially a certain agent but a certain mindset as well to do those gigs because they were they were tough i mean catherine did you were you ever in a place where you thought well i've got to you know in terms of creative output richard addy's art is there anything that you thought well i've got to do this or i can do this in that in the last year I so I basically panicked because I even though like I sort of have a social media presence, it was completely built on live shows. Yeah, I yeah. I I don't I, I would stare at TikTok and be like, I can't face myself in the mirror if I do this. Like it's just it's just not for me. I mean, good for anybody who like did it, but I was just like, and so then I was like trying to force like a, a square peg into a round hole where I'm like being really hard on myself for not being able to make this transition I don't even want to make. And then like wondering how I'm going to, what I'm going to do, you know, if I can't perform, because I was one of those people who I think was expressing my life and, and you know, my pain and whatever through comedy only stand up, you know? Yeah. And so, and I think not being allowed to do that kind of also brought me back to that, like, place I was sent to where we weren't allowed to live, you know, it, it, it was like very abusive in, in, a, in a similar fashion, you know, obviously they're totally different situations. And I think I, I began to short circuit and panic and feel like, like I'm nothing. And like really then be really hard on myself while trying to question how I'll move forward and how I can have a career and then feeling really hateful to other people who were moved, be able to move forward, even though mm. their success has nothing to do with my life. And like, really, mm. I generally can be happy for people, but I was finding, I was becoming really bitter and hateful. So, and I'd keep and you trying- And do, you're doing a podcast about that, aren't you? About uh, everyone's yeah. doing better than me? Yeah, it kind yeah. of, it, you know, um, so I'm doing it with the girl I was supposed to do a split show with in Melbourne. She's also from New York, but she was living there for four years. And we basically, it was like, she tagged me in and I tagged her out. She escaped, I, I got stuck there. And um, and so it was it was interesting because we started that when I was in a really dark place and now I've started to do this stuff. And, and it, you know, we can examine everything a little bit differently, you know, more of a fun way rather than from actually coming to a place where it causes me pain to see other people's success. Mm. <laughs> like, because I was never really like this before. I mean, I think I always got a little twinge of envy and jealousy here and there. I feel like that's sort of the nature of entertainment here. You know, you yeah. kind of are like, why don't I have that? You know, but then you're like, I don't even want that. Like, I, you know, yeah, I mean, that is a funny thing. That kind of notion of um, I found too, just where you feel envy to something and then you question whether you'd want it yourself. Yeah. And yeah. then you're like, <laughs> no, uh, because yeah, it's such an interesting thing. Yeah. Right. Sorry. No, exactly. No, I mean, because that's why I'm sitting here and I, I was like angry at somebody for being good at TikTok, making a video that I don't <laughs> find funny, you know, and I'm like, I'm like, what? what, what? And then and it, then it eats away at you, you know, from the inside out. And then I'd find like it was even harder for me to be creative in my own way, you know, so it was like. I was being really mad at myself for not being able to write a joke, but I was so blocked by all this other stuff. So now that I've kind of like opened that up again, I'm starting to actually write again. And it's just coming naturally rather than being like, I'm forcing myself to come up with something for the sake of a competition that I'm creating in my mind. It's, it is it's interesting. I, I kind of had this notion of, you know, sometimes I, I was kind of not writing comedy and I was wondering, you know, like in a far, in farming where they leave, leave a field fallow so that it can um, all the nutrients will return to the soil and because when you get caught in stand-up for so much you start to have nothing to express other than your feelings towards stand-up in a way like, um, and um, so everyone starts opening by saying I was at a gig the other day <laughs> anyway we're finished and, but I was like maybe he's, I just just let the world eke in. Let all the mm. and then I will. But weirdly, when I, I did one one online gig and and across just two days, I wrote ten minutes of material that went really well. And I was like, I did kind of think, and it kind of felt like it felt kind of like I was writing it. I think when you like when I first wrote stand up before I kind of started think what do we what like what do the audience want from me. What do people want from me? Um, and I kind of thought, it felt, as I was saying, I thought, I've just, because I was at home, I thought, I'll just write something slightly more narrative-driven and um, like I would have when I first started, I didn't know what comedy was and didn't know what clubs wanted. And as I was doing it, I thought, um, God, this feels more like something I would like to have said, like 
the kind of writing I'd like to do kind of comedy than I would have if I probably kept going. Mm. Um, that said, my performance style was still very erratic and challenging. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, absolutely. I mean, you, you mentioned ambition um, a while back and, um, you know, Catherine, you, you mentioned other people doing things. I mean, the last year, if nothing else, has given us uh, a chance to step back and recognise kind of exactly what we want to do, you know, um, with our, whether it's with our stand-up or out with our stand-up, whether it's art or not stand-up at all. I mean, that's a, that's a good thing, isn't it? Do, do, you think, do you think you've come to the end of this year and, 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 and you, you kind of know more clearly now exactly what you want to do I and mean, it sounds like Catherine you've always been a stand-up you're pure stand-up you want to do stand-up and now you've been to that dark place and you've come back and maybe you're more hungry than ever I don't know yeah I mean I think why it was so disappointing for me that COVID happened when it did is it finally felt like I was on an incline like things were starting to really come together and I felt excited and I had like a plan like for the next year, you know, and how I was going to do it. And, and I just quit my day job and I was starting to make a living doing just comedy. And I was like feeling really good. I was like, my life has fallen into place in a way that is so magical that I'm so thrilled about. And then COVID happened and that ended. And then I felt like it was all ripped away for me and all the work that I did was now meaningless. I think I, you know, mentioned this earlier. It was like having to go through that dark time and then learn these new skills of sort of meditation and breathing exercises that I just never would have touched, period, because mm. I was feeling so good, you know, in my life. I feel like now it has opened up new possibilities in terms of what I'm going to talk about on stage, um, even other things I want to work on that aren't just the stand up and being able to do it all at the same time. Like before I was just like, stand up, stand up, stand up. And one day I'll do these other things. And now I'm kind of like, I can see myself being able to work on a drama project and another like kind of maybe comedy series, you know, as well as performing and also taking care of my body and my mind and, you know, cooking like for the first time in my life. So now that I, you know, and I know I've only been doing this a month, I'm so I'm grateful. You know what I mean? Like I, I learned that I didn't need half the shit I had in New York. You know, I need, I had, I had a thrift store worth of clothes. I don't need that many clothes. Um, yeah. and so, yeah, it, it, to answer, I think like long story long. Yeah. I think yeah. I've, I've reached a point where I see things way more clearly and, and more, more excited than before, even though nothing has changed since I wanted to die a month ago, except <laughs> my, my insides, you know? Mm. And the stuff that you're writing now, is it different to what you were writing a year ago? No, I'm still filthy, frankly. I'm still <laughs> filthy. I'm filthy, but I'm finding that I'm thinking about jokes in a different way and I'm writing them in a different way. And I have no idea if it's even going to be funny. You know, for, for me, I've done some of those Zoom shows. I do, do not like them. I do not. And I like, I mean, they just make me feel like I want to die by the end of it. And um, I haven't got to try new stuff. I just sort of get up there and phone it in with my old stuff that I don't even feel really connected to anymore. But I'm kind of excited to see I think I'm gonna be better than before in a different way but who fucking knows I'm gonna bomb like a lot before that happens for sure so we'll find out yeah well, I can't wait I can't wait not 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 to you bombing but um um <laughs> well bombing is always sort of funny when it's not you right <laughs> <laughs> yeah Richard talking about bombing um, <laughs> unfair of course i mean you're a beautiful brilliant act um you know the the way you write is incredible um i always love watching you tell me you're coming back to it uh without even without an agent you're I, coming have, back to it I have gonna... started booking gigs in weirdly because the janitor <laughs> at the place i work used to be a comedian a stand-up comedian and he quit uh, oh, right. a recognizable he, name he start i can't uh, i just call him john the janitor but don't you don't you don't even know his name <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, i did tell him to sort the lights out today literally um so um so some, still got he's still got that stage spirit with him because uh, he did it well he might have some traction off the back of this podcast to be honest he might come come back to comedy john <laughs> the janitor was, i told him that i was 
uh, the only thing and lockdown and said oh, I was, I quit. I just but he he kept saying, man, honestly, like you might feel it now, but I quit. Like he started with Jimmy Carr and uh, like so he gave with Jimmy Carr and uh, whoever was around. Tell me about that, it. Yeah, but that era of comic uh, and. <laughs> Um, and now Jimmy Carr's on to your mansion. <laughs> Jimmy Carr could be my janitor in a different world. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but he was saying when he quit, like, he said, it's true what he says. I mean, you know, everyone, we know it. Um, that if you take a year out, like a couple of years out, they, how far it'll set you back if you once you tried to get it uh, started again. He said, he was saying, like, I took, finished and when I wanted to thought about going back into it, it was just like I was so far behind. I mean, it's not always that case, but he was saying you'll reg- he suggests he said you'll regret it. Um, so you keep keep go- doing it at some level so that you kind of. I mean, it is. So uh, your career's been re- rescued by John the Janice. Is that what you're telling us? Uh, well, yeah, yeah, the, uh, uh, yeah. I'm, you I'm, would have quit if it wasn't for John the Janitor. But, um, uh, yeah. I hope you get. I hope you get to mention in your British Comedy Awards speech in a couple of years' time. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to get him in specifically. I'm going to say, look, guys, I've got my own lighting engineer. Uh, <laughs> strip lights too, right above me. Yeah, but. Uh, uh, yeah, I kind of, uh, I mean, ultimately, I mean, I guess also you don't, you, you do comedy partly because you create a, a response to your work. And and I do kind of miss having a, a reaction. I don't know if I miss, like, I'm sure Catherine, uh, I, I, mean, I don't know if I miss gigs at a certain, like, big club gigs. I never really got into them anywhere. Like, I never enjoyed them, like. It let me in occasionally, but I never massively enjoyed them. But I miss the um, opportunity to just try out some writing and whatever, whether that writing stays in a kind of stand-up format mm. or you kind of transfer it, but just to see if some ideas are funny and how, like, have a connection with people, stand-up's good for that, you know. <laughs> Even on a kind of small-scale kind of pub level, you know, um, yeah, well, I've seen you kind of transform your stuff into short films, or maybe it's the other way around, but that yeah, stuff's available on your yeah, website, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. The, yeah. Um, yeah, so I kind of, um, I don't know what level I'm interested in. And I've always enjoyed Edinburgh Shores more than I do, like, so I enjoy build, doing small clubs to build an Edinburgh Shore. But I like an Edinburgh Shore because, like, in a club, you kind of try to come, like, make your act to a degree, like, there's a kind of notion of how it, the act should behave, like a, a kind of etiquette, a certain etiquette towards like the audience, especially in a kind of proper Friday club, as that your behaviour on stage and that. And I like Edinburgh because you, when you do your own show, you kind of define the rule of how, like you define the world that, mm. is, that the audience are going to inhabit for an hour. So yeah. there's no sense of you going on after a super slick act and you know, you've seen me hold a microphone. I mean, it whaps around, but it's nowhere near my head. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like I'm getting attacked by a fly, but I only I can see it. <laughs> you've had yeah. a year to work on that microphone technique, Richard. I'm oh, expecting God. great things I, when I see you again. It's gonna be somewhere near your face. I only hold that I only hold microphones just microphones just to set the audience at ease as if for a moment <laughs> and then I just think I wield it like a cudgel, you know, just about to slap, swat someone. But I love Edinburgh shows because I just put the mic to the side and like, no, like that's kind of no one's saying, hang on, the other three acts held the microphone. What's, <laughs> does he, doesn't he even know it's there? <laughs> this guy's an amateur. It sounds like, Catherine, you've been through such a major transformation and um you know a lot of acts have been through a transformation but i would say that you have been through a, you know got a you know a spectacular um spectacular downs and then and then thankfully recently ups um richard it sounds like it's been less so less of a kind of roller coaster but um nathan i'd know, like to say i've learned something but uh 
honestly. Uh, I, I'm gonna, uh, I can make a good ribelletta. <laughs> well, uh, I think Catherine's journey was a bit more, um, a bit more interesting and challenging. I mean, I, I like live in London now by accident by way of Australia. So yeah, I don't know. I feel like a definitely like I'm whose life is this? I mean, it's mine, but you know, still still getting used to it. <laughs> no, I mean it's. Uh, I mean you've but you've but but you've both been on. I hate to use the word journeys, but I mean Catherine, <laughs> you've literally been on a couple of journeys. So yeah. you have been on journeys. Well, I look forward to doing this more than anything. It's kind of it gets me excited about seeing comedians again and seeing what it's going to be like. Where you know after this year and you know Catherine, you've talked about maybe your material is going to still filthy, but it's changed yeah. to a certain extent. And you know Richard, you touched upon that. Um, I mean, I guess. In closing, what are we what are we looking forward to? Whether in the far future, in terms of how your ambitions have changed, or what are you looking forward to in terms of that first gig back, in terms of how you have changed or how the audience honest, has changed? I, I am quite looking forward to going back. Uh, I, I kind of would like to believe I changed as a performer because I've always found myself to be. Uh, I, I mean, when you leave a head uh, the stage with a headache because of the sound of your own voice <laughs> crashing against your cranium. <laughs> You kind of think, right, that's just, that's too loud. Uh, but, um, Even without but, a microphone, that's... Uh... I like, you know, and I, I kind of thought, when I did the one Zoom gig, I thought, you're at home, you're at home, you're sitting at, you're sitting at a table, you're going to be so serene. And I was thinking to myself, God, they're going to be, anyone who's seen you before is going to be shocked. And then as soon as they said... Well, um, please welcome to the screen, Richard Todd. I was just like, rah, 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 <laughs> And I thought to like myself, my God. Uh, and even in the house, my anxiety levels, like, are piercing around the table, just, like, doing loops and, like, going back and fine. I even got so anxious about So I kind of, I had this notion that I, I might be the act, like, the calm, serene act that I'd always wanted to be. Um, and then, so I kind of a bit like, I don't expect anything there. I expect still to be an explosion of neurosis and anxiety. It's quite funny because John the janitor, just by the by, whilst he was trying to... <laughs> I details of his story because it's quite funny. John the janitor, whilst he was trying to reignite uh, uh, reignite a neon crucifix <laughs> that was hanging outside the, the building where I work, because I work in a church, right? right? Like, that's where the charity I work for is based. Um, said to me, I mean, I was just chatting to him in an unenthusiastic, man unenthusiastic manner about the crucifix. Um, and he said, I mean, this, if, if this is how you are on stage, I mean, this is exactly how you need to be on stage. Mm -hmm. And I did think, uh, John, you will be so disappointed when you see, if you ever see me. <laughs> <laughs> and he was saying like, no, mate, because this. And he talked me through it. Like he was talking about like just how you present yourself on stage and just be yourself, just be this. Um, and I and he he described the act I always wanted to be and the act I know I can I probably will never be, you know. And I felt side slightly sad. I felt like I was I I'd let John down. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> got rid of your agent, uh, and now you've got John. It's by the yeah. time of it, you know. It's like someone even yeah. worse on your back all the time, telling you, you need to change, Richard. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I was, uh, I, I'm quite quite pleased. I mean, he's he's erecting a six like about a, a ten foot crucifix and putting strip lighting in it. I, I that's where my next Edinburgh course is going to be. <laughs> strip lighting to a crucifix. I wonder yeah. how Jesus had that. But, um, um, yeah. Catherine, how about you in terms of the either the immediate future or the, you know how how maybe your ambitions have changed and. Well, I, I'm looking forward to seeing Richard on stage uh, <laughs> after, after this, for sure. And then hopefully John the janitor as well. Maybe he'll do a duo. Act. He'll be there. <laughs> he'll be there. Tutting at the back. You on. Yeah. With his crucifix. Yeah, and the golf clap. Um, <laughs> but, 
yeah, I'm, it's, I obviously I can't wait to get back on stage. I am very scared. I won't be funny. I I get, you know, I'm scared that's going to happen since I feel so different. So I'm really interested to see what this looks like, because I always kind of feel like I was my very best on stage when I was like sort of a controlled unhinged and I, I do still feel, I wonder what that's going to be like with, with feeling a little more centered. You know, I'm, I'm a big fan of Gary Shandling and the Larry Sanders show. And I know that, you know, the, um, I don't know if you've seen his documentary or the documentary Judd Apatow did about him, but he was very into exploring himself and being kind to people and sort of meditating and all of that. So, and I, I always thought what he did was very brilliant and always sort of said something a lot about humanity through humor without being heavy handed with it. So I'm kind of hoping that maybe I can do that. But now just with a dog fucking joke that starts with my email, um, we'll, we'll see how that I, I can't wait to see how this joke progresses. It's the only one I've written. So, uh, you know, so yeah, I, I don't know. I, 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 it's nice to kind of not feel a general sense of absolute dread and anxiety about everything and overthinking everything for once in my life. And hopefully that will give me room to breathe into jokes. Nice. <laughs> well, I mean, thank you, firstly, for coming on here today. And genuinely, you're two of my favorite acts. I can't wait to see you, you both again. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what, whether that gives you anything in your career. Uh, no, it's, it's nice <laughs> yeah. to hear. Being Nathan Cassidy's favorite act. Put that on your poster and see what that does for yeah. your career. Thank you so much for yeah. joining me on Psychomic uh, today. No, thanks for having me. Could I plug? Can I plug anything? Is that okay? No, no, no. definitely not. <laughs> I just, <laughs> of course you well, can. I just got a couple podcasts. That's it. Um, you know, everybody's got one now. And so I was like, me too. Um, I do one. You mentioned it earlier. Everyone's doing better than me. And we basically, all, I, Nathan, I think we should have you on sometime because you, 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 I didn't know you knew a lot about psychology, right? That's what you said. And yeah. I, I'd be interested <laughs> to talk to you about, about that part of your life. But mm. we basically, uh, you know, berate people for their successes and how they've hurt us. Um, and and then I do another one called This American Irish Life, which is a little more free flowing thought with with my husband, Mark O'Keefe, who's also a comedian. So those yeah. are both available. And we did our whole Australia journey on that. So you can hear the the suicide thoughts in real time as well. Oh. as the other Yeah, isn't that going to be tinged now? Just thinking about it with Mark, because I know Mark as well. Another, another, another great Mm -hmm. stand-up. Isn't that going to be tinged now with stories of how you're happily married? We're going to get the marriage material now, aren't we? No, uh... no, we're we're weirdos. We are weirdo. We are weirdos through and through. So it's okay. It's definitely not what anybody I think w- thinks is going to happen. And okay. uh, yeah, I have all that stuff on my Instagram at you girl, you nasty, which uh, I will forever be is nasty. So nice. Absolutely. Richards, what, what are we going to plug with you? Uh, well, again? I, I just as Catherine was <laughs> um, plugging things, uh, I remembered. I mean, I would not normally mention this, but um, me, myself and Ross Smith, Quite long ago, started doing a um, podcast called Rental Breakdown, right? We forgot all about it. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, and, um, and then John the janitor said, Richard, what's your podcast? <laughs> yeah, it's up these days, he said, turning on the crucifix. Yeah, no, but he, um, we're starting our podcast, recording a new one tomorrow, and we're going to make a bigger effort to actually put it on our platform. <laughs> I mean, that's a start, um, which is a, a, a podcast based on my dad's kind of just growing out of when I, my dad used to own a shop and um, he, he used to rent mostly foreign language dubbed in VHS videos, <laughs> like that were sci-fi and horror. Um, and I grew up watching these. So Basically, the podcast is me re-watching these, and then we will thematically go through the per- the point of that film. Um, and some anyway, it's it's I don't want to get too in detail, but it's, it was fun. Um, so we did awesome. one on gang culture based on one of the films I watched. Yeah, Lardy da. Beautiful. You can tell why I don't promote things or plug things. Can't you? <laughs> you ended it with Lottie Dodd. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
um well you're promoting the fact that you're going to try and do better i think that's a good yeah. thing that's a good way to end uh, yeah. and a good title for your next show richard todd is trying to do things a bit better yeah um, <laughs> right uh, Catherine, richard thank you so thank much you, um thank you Yes, so that is our show for today. Join us again next month for more Psychomedy on Apple Podcasts, Spotify UK, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you liked it, please give us a five-star review. It helps other people to find us, and only psychopaths leave three-star reviews. Psychomedy was written and presented by me, Nathan Cassidy, BSC in Psychology. Produced and edited by Mike Hanson, BA English for Pop People Productions. Theme music by Mike as well. So that's Psychomedy. Please subscribe and rate, and listen back on all the great episodes so far. They're listed in those video clips and more at psychomedy.co.uk. And if you'd like to support the podcast for £5 a month and get loads of bonus uncut video and more, please go to patreon.com slash Nathan Cassidy follow us on social media at Pod People UK at Pod at Nathan Cassidy and at Richard Todd Todd and at you girl you nasty EW girl you nasty thank you so much Richard and Catherine lots of love to you all and see you next time I'd like to take a quick minute to tell you about a comedy company I know very well, Smirk Experience. For years before COVID, they put on great gigs that I've done myself many times. Since COVID, they've been doing online gigs I've also done, and they've been great too. They're one of the best in bringing the comedy club experience to your home. They also do this for companies looking to keep staff morale up, to bring teams together as working from home becomes more of the norm. They have loads of TV comics on their books and have been doing shows in places like Spotify, ITV, the Bank of England and lots more. So if you'd like to talk to them about a show for your company, then go to smirkexperience.com to arrange a chat. And if you quote Psychomedy, you can get 10% off the first show. Comedians have obviously been struggling to make ends meet for the last year and Smirk Experience is helping support these acts. So you'll not only be arranging a great laugh for your team, you'll be supporting live comedy and this podcast too. So that's smirkexperience.com. Ever wondered what it's like to be a national treasure or whether you can help yourself with self-help? If it's possible to get rich quick without being a dick? Or how many close family members have to die before you get a dog? I'm Callie Beaton and this is Namaste Motherfuckers, the brand new podcast from Pod People Productions. I'll be getting the dope from Desiree Birch. I was bashing my head against a wall until it was bloody and at some point the wall moved away. Arthur Smith. I was in the Mischief Gang led by Ray. He was a boy who was so tough, his contribution to the nature table was a dead dog. Namaste Motherfuckers is the only podcast where the worlds of comedy, self-help and business collide. I know a thing or two about self-help, having helped myself out of a boardroom career to become a full-time comedian just before a global pandemic. With the help of celebrity guests and experts, I'll be uncovering not your normal life lessons, but some big ones nonetheless. Richard Osman. You can learn more about the human race from one episode of Come Dine With Me than from most high-budget dramas. Emily Dean. Imagine if you knew that someone you loved and really cared about, you know, they probably got 15 years. I genuinely think it would alter how you behave with them a bit. As well as finding out what makes them tick, I'll be finding out what makes them laugh. Right, John Lloyd? What's the best thing about Switzerland? I don't know, but the flag is a big plus. Namaste, motherfuckers, with me, Callie Beaton. Available now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.